Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital extends its healing mission beyond its hospital doors as it presents this vital podcast series. It's Your Health Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. Today we are talking about tips for keeping children safe during the summer, especially around water and heat and sun exposure. We have a lot to talk about today. And my guest is Dr. Darren Privet. He's an emergency department physician at Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. Dr. Privet, so glad to have you with us today. I'd like to start with swimming safety because we have a lot to go through. But tell us some of the statistics, what you see as an ER doc about drowning? Well, I mean, that's a great introduction because, uh, you know, summer is here and it's so important that we actually can talk about some tips to keep our kids safe. Um, you know, some people are really excited that summer is here, like my kids are, and others not so much, like some of my, uh, my, my kids' friends' parents trying to keep their kids entertained throughout the summer. And one of the great ways that we can keep our kids entertained is for them to cool off uh, in the pool. Uh, and so water is a great way to kind of make sure that we can have fun, but also uh, keep us uh, cool. And so it's important that we all enjoy the water safely. Um, and I think the main message that usually when I talk to people about uh, water safety is they need to understand that the scary thing is that kids drowned without a sound. And um, it's not like we see in the movies when kids splash around and they flail around and they scream and they yell, and it seems like nobody can hear them, but they really do drown without a sound. And that's the take-home point, um, is that they're extremely quiet, their their clothes can be like an added weight, and they, their mouth is usually full of water, so they don't really yell for help, and they will silently slip below the surface. Um, and so that's uh, really important because time is of the essence uh, if the kids drowned and uh, they potentially are without any oxygen. Um, and according to the CDC, one in five people who die from unintentional drowning are children 14 and younger. And, and so unfortunately, it's very prevalent. But the key here is that it is preventable and preventative medicine is the best type of medicine. So it's something that we have to be vigilant about and and um, be aware of. So there are some things that we can do. So then let's talk about some of those. People think that if they start early with swim lessons, that their children will be safe from this, or they use those arm floats. Me, when my kids are around water, they are in life jackets, especially like at a lake or anything like that when we're on a boat. Always, always life jackets. But when they're at pools, people don't think so. So what do you want this, us to know and what skills do you want to make sure that they do know? Well, that's a great point. I, I get a, a lot of my wife's friends um, uh, who have kids and ask me when's the best time that they should start swimming. And, and uh, there are a bunch of different safety tips. And I think, you know, if you had to look online with the, with the way the technology is today, there's so many different resources out there. And, and there is a lot of different recommendations for water safety. But I think that the main key is to never uh, leave your children alone when they're in or near water not even for a minute, uh, because it it, uh, it takes only approximately 20 to 60 seconds for a child to drown. So we have to be very vigilant in watching our children um, with care in and around water. Um, you know, it's almost like you should have an adult, uh, an adult that takes turn to kind of watch uh, the kids. We just had a 
uh, after school party, the last day of the year, kind of swim party at our house. And we literally hired uh, my oldest daughter, um, who is 15, to be the lifeguard. Because sometimes as parents, we think we got this. Next thing you know, we're on our phones or texting. We get caught up in a conversation, a talk. We, we take our attention away from the water uh, and just uh, takes seconds for something to happen. And, and uh, unfortunately, a child um, can drown. And so um, one of the ways, like you mentioned, too, is, is you know, get kids in the, in the water early. Uh, teach them to swim. Get them into swim lessons um, and so that they can be comfortable and, and be strong and, and get them early. There's, it, depending upon the resources that you look at, some even talk about as early uh, as uh, two years. Um, and, and we definitely got our kids uh, going uh, right after they turned two and get to get them around in the pool. And, and so swim lessons really help get them strong in the water. They feel confident in the water. Uh, you talked about inflatables. Um, you know, some people rely too much about on those blow-ups thinking it's a kind of like a safe, uh, a, a false safety net that they think, well, they have these floaty devices on, they're okay. But most of those are fairly cheap and, and they're not really made well. And you brought up life jackets. Uh, those are typically pretty safe and recommended uh, uh, by most government agencies. Um, and so they're the really only um, flotation aid that you can truly rely on. You can't rely on those blow-up um, uh, uh plastic uh, toys or mattresses that you can use because they don't really keep kids safe. Um, the other thing is if you're around water, uh, you just got to make sure that if you have a swimming pool, a pool fence is great. Make sure it has four sides and how the pool is is uh, is secure. Um, you know, even like something like a spa or a sauna, you have to always make sure that there might be some type of cover that you can keep it covered. Um, you know, kids are in, or whether they're in the sauna or around the pool, be very, if you're, if your, uh, children have long hair, you gotta be careful about their long hair because that can, uh, take them into the intake drain. Um, whether you're in a, in a boat, make sure you're really aware of safety, uh, laws and rules. Um, just, you know, there's classes that you can get online. Uh, there's, like I said before, there's a lot of resources available. Um, you know, young children always need to wear life jackets when they're uh, either on a boat or either playing in or near water to keep them safe. Um, and, and the key, too, is that it does, you don't really have to be around a swimming pool in a big body of water. Even a, a small five-gallon bucket, which, you know, like how in the world could your child be playing in water? But when we lived in New York City, uh, that was kind of what we used in the summers. Our kids, we filled up a bucket of water, and it was so hot, and they used that to kind of cool off. And you know, a toilet, a five-gallon bucket of water, these little weeding uh, pools that they have, they're all drowning hazards. So, uh, you know, we just need to be make sure that we're aware of all of this. And and like I said before, the take-home point is, is children can drown without a sound. So true and so scary. So now let's talk about heat stroke and heat-related emergencies. Tell us how fast it can happen and what happens in our body when we're exposed to extreme temps. It gets pretty hot in the summer, and if you're not around a pool, then how do we know our kids and ourselves, for that matter, are not subject to heat exhaustion, heat stroke, any of those things? Well, yeah, and you brought up the two main things that we need to be uh, worried about when we are exposed to extreme heat with uh, as far as like heat exhaustion and, and heat uh, stroke. Um, but you're right, you know, not everybody is, is around water to stay cool and 
it's so important that we do stay cool in, in this, this summer heat. And, and on hot days, sometimes our bodies struggle to stay cool. And regulating body temperature is ex- especially hard for young children and, uh, and elderly patients as well. Uh, I think the key is that when it does get hot, we have to make sure that we really uh, uh, keep ourselves hydrated and so fill up on water regularly and, and remain hydrated. And if you're thirsty, then you're really not hydrated. Um, and temperatures can rise fairly quick. And so especially, um, you know, you think about uh, an enclosed vehicle and you'll know, never leave a child or a furry child, your pet, enclosed in a vehicle on a hot day because temperatures inside enclosed vehicles can surpass over 100 degrees within mere minutes. So, um, you know, if you're out and about and, and you're enjoying the great weather, you know, try to avoid strenuous exercise on particular hot days. Um, they recommend that early morning and late evening uh, are the coolest times uh, to work out and probably optimal uh, because you'll enjoy it a lot better. Uh, you, you'll obviously want to focus on some kind of clothing that you're, that you wear, make sure it's loose and breathable and, and lightweight. Um, so I, I think the key is, like I mentioned in the very beginning, is you just have to make sure, uh, and let me repeat it again, that you just stay hydrated and fill up on water regularly to, to remain hydrated. And if you're thirsty, you're not hydrated. My, uh, there are so many different d- devices out there that you can use to keep water with you. We, our, our family has a c- color-coded hydro flask, so we have our own little hydro flask. We fill it up with ice and water. We carry it around with us, and so we constantly have something uh, available. And, and so I think that's, that's an important issue that you really need to um, keep yourself hydrated and stay cool in the summer. And, and if you don't, unfortunately, like you mentioned, uh, there are some consequences, and when temperatures do rise and we don't keep ourselves hydrated, uh, we unfortunately uh, can expose ourselves to heat exhaustion and to uh, heat um, stroke. Uh, sometimes people can also have, you know, get a bad rash, or they can even uh, have a fainting episode. And uh, a couple of my friends want to know the difference between heat exhaustion and heat, heat stroke. And sometimes there's a lot of overlap there. And, and so one of the things that we can do to prevent uh, heat exhaustion is to make sure that we understand the signs and symptoms and that we can uh, take the necessary precautions to avoid us from developing it. So typically, you know, if you start sweating heavily, if you feel kind of a nonspecific weakness, lightheadedness, dizziness, if you, your skin uh, becomes cold or pale or clammy, you feel like your kind of heart rate is beating really fast and rapid and you're developing some palpitations. Uh, you can get nauseous and, and you can get uh, uh, to the point where you can also vomit. Um, and if it gets really severe, uh, you can faint. And interventions are pretty simple, right? Just remove yourself from the, from the hot environment, find a, a, a cool place, uh, get out of the, the heat, get into the shade, uh, loosen up your clothing, um, drink some uh, fluids. Uh, I think electrolyte fluids are the key because when we uh, sweat, we lose a lot of uh, salt, uh, unbeknownst to us. But uh, clearly, if you're sweating, you lick yourself. It's really salty, so you got to re- replenish that su- that salt. And so you got to really stay hydrated. Uh, the other thing you can do is really you can apply cool, uh, wet cloth. Someone you can get a kind of a, a fan and, and and get a water bottle and kind of spray yourself. Um, 
it, it, if you don't really intervene with heat exhaustion, it can progress to heat stroke. And typically, heat stroke is the same as heat exhaustion, except for you can develop uh, more neurologic symptoms. You can become altered, confused, and progress to the point where you can lose consciousness. And even when it becomes severe, you can have a seizure. And so you want to make sure that you stay hydrated. If you develop symptoms that progressively worse, then you want to call 911 and, and seek uh, emergency help, emergency assistance right away. What great information. So important, Dr. Privet. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you, get sunburned. People get sunburned. What do we do? You're an emergency room physician. If we get a bad sunburn or even maybe one that's not so bad, what do you recommend people do? Well, and that's the unfortunate consequence of being in the sun is that the sun, um, as we soak it up, uh, we can get burned by it. Um, so, you know, it's really important that we have fun in the sun, but we do whatever we can to protect our skin. Um, you know, my, it seems like my family, we're sun, we love to soak up the sun and every chance we get, we are at the beach or at the pool. Um, so we're always are doing particular activities out and about, and, and my wife is very vigilant in making sure, more so than me, and uh, uh, and she's really good at making sure that before our kids even go out, before they even get involved in the activity, uh, we apply that sunscreen. And, and you know, most people don't really realize, but skin, can- skin cancer is the most common form of cancer in the U.S., and it's all about, you know, sun damage that starts out from overexposure of our skin to the sun. Um, and so you want to protect your skin from the sun's harmful ultraviolet rays. Um, and you do that by putting the uh, specific sunscreen on to protect the skin. Uh, obviously, if you, if you want to try, if you can, the sun's at its worst between 10 and 2, depending on what resources that you look at. Some say 10 to 4. So if you can stay indoors during that time when the sun's the strongest, that's the best uh, recommendation, which is sometimes not doable for most act- activities, but otherwise you make sure you cover up with some uh, protective breathable clothing. And then, as I mentioned, use sunscreen with at least an SPF of 15 to protect the skin. You know, it doesn't have to be extremely sunny. You know, even on cloudy or overcast days, the sun rays are pretty strong. And so you want to make sure that the skin is protected. Some uh, recommendations by the Academy of Pediatrics recommend that uh, whenever children are outside, they should use sunscreen uh, with an SPF of 15 to 30 and choose one that protects against UVA and UVB uh, rays. Um, typically, you want to apply it uh, at least 30 minutes before going outside. You want to reapply it every two hours, um, especially if you you know are in water uh, or have been sweating a lot. Um, and for children under one, you want to try to keep them out of the sun as much as possible because their skin is super sensitive, and as uh, after a minimal amount of exposure, uh, can be burnt a lot quicker uh, than older uh, children. Uh, always try to keep their head covered, uh, and be careful with children under six months uh, with the sunscreen. But you can use it on them, just small amounts on, the, on their faces and the back of their heads. Um, you know, you might want to wear some glasses to protect your eyes. Um, so, and, and if it's extremely hot outside, try to limit the amount of activity that you are uh, outside. And like I mentioned earlier, with as far as uh, heat exposure, try to, to seek out shade as, as much as possible. If you're if you're to the point where your skin does burn, you treat it just like any other burn. You know, a bad 
sunscreen or a, a, a bad sunburn uh, is, is just as prevalent as a first degree burn. And so if it hurts, you know, you try to put some different type of uh, cooling agents on it, whether it be just direct, get it a wet towel and soak it in ice water and put it directly on your skin. That'll help. Um, there's some other different moisturizers that you can use, particularly some that have uh, aloe vera in it. Um, and, uh, you, you know, Motrin or Tylenol is needed for pain. Um, sometimes the skin can flake off. But if you, just like any other burn, if you have a certain amount of percentage throughout your body, you may need to seek medical attention. You have to keep yourself hydrated because the body will utilize fluid that you have in it to the area where it's where you're burned to try to keep it cool. Uh, and sometimes that can increase problems uh, as far as vascular collapse uh, and dehydration. Um, so the summer is great, but, you know, some of the things that we talked about today, although it's fairly quick and, and we only hit on really three main points here, uh, are really important to keep us safe and enjoy our summer with our with our with ourselves and especially with our families as our kids are out of school. So true, all of it. And yes, we did only get to those three main ones, but you covered so much information, Dr. Privet. You are so great, and what a great guest you are. Thank you so much for joining us today and really giving us really excellent information. Thanks again. That wraps up another episode of It's Your Health Radio with Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. Head on over to our website at henrymayo.com for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. If you found this podcast as cool as I did, and Dr. Privet is just such a great guest, share with your friends, with your family, on social media, and be sure to check out all the other interesting podcasts in our library. Until next time, I'm Melanie Cole.